0: What's up? Woo! Yes. How you guys doing tonight? Thank you to everyone who did not go to the Hillsong United concert and come in here tonight because we got like 100 people at the Hillsong United concert tonight. Like, it's crazy. I've been seeing tweets and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and we, we had a whole bunch of tickets. And I should have just got a whole bunch of free tickets and just gave them out to everybody because uh, it's going to be legit. But I'm just going to tell you right now, man, uh, we had Colin and Georgie come tonight and lead us in worship. And, dude, I'm telling you right now, man, they brought the heat. They brought the heat. Let's give it up. Thank you guys for uh, for coming and uh, being a part of that. Listen, we've been in this series. We've been in this series right now. Level up, and we're on the third week of this series. And this is all about you leveling up in your self leadership. And we've been looking at different things from Scripture, different things from the Bible, and how uh, the Bible tells us we can level up. And so the first week, Austin talked about, he says, hey, listen, and it was kind of this simple concept of, you know, say yes to the good things in your life and say no to the bad things in your life. And obviously, that is a simple concept, but we know (coughs) if you've lived life long at all, you know that that's much easier said than done. And then last week, we talked a little bit just about uh, the church at Laodicea. We talked about being lukewarm, how Jesus says, be hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. And we talked about how uh, we need to give a crap. And that there are certain things that God has told us that we need to give a crap about. And we live in the generation that one sociologist says that we are the one, the whatever generation. Like, whatever. Whatever. Whatever about everything in our life. And I talked about last week how we need to give a crap. And there are several things that we need to give a crap about. We need to give a crap about our own spiritual growth. And we need to give a crap about changing lives. That Jesus came on mission to change lives. And changed lives change lives. And so if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you say, hey man, I've jumped in, two feet in, and I say, hey man, I follow Jesus, I'm chasing after him, he is the the sole affection of my attention and everything that I am, like he is who I look at, he's who I look to, he is my savior, he is my Lord. Then if your life has been changed by him, then that should reflect in the fact that people's lives around you are being changed because the spirit of God is in you, changing people through you. And so this week, we're going to talk about the third area of level up. The third area of level up. In the title of the message tonight, and if you've got your notes to beside side, you can take notes because I know you're going to want to because it's going to be so good. <laughs> is this. <laughs> your yes matters. Your yes matters. Your yes matters. Do you guys ever feel like there's just not enough time in the day? Yes. You ever feel that way? Like, man, like, why couldn't days be like 30 hours? What's that? Yeah. I like if, if you had 30 hours, you have like six extra hours per day just to kind of hang with your friends, do what you want, man. Like, how many people, if you could get, change the days to 30 hours, and so you would be able to, you know, sleep a little longer, you'd be able to do. How, how many of you guys would vote for that? I would vote for that. What'd you say? Oh, <laughs> got, got, got some feedback here. Man, I'm just curious, I'm just curious, what time do you guys go to bed? All right, how, how about we do it this way? I realize, that people, I realize that people go to bed at different times, during different times of the week. So, so let's say on school nights, what time do you go to bed? We're going to start like this. Now you just cheer if this is your time that you go to bed, all right? So you just start cheering loud. If you go to bed at 8 o'clock on school nights, give me a cheer. Wow. If you go to bed at 9 o'clock on school nights, let me get a chair. 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Wow. After 12. Well up. I'm just going to say and be a little, but I heard the loudest at 11 o'clock. Now, there are some of you guys that are above that, but that's on a school night, so, so like I hate to ask about a weekend. So on a weekend night, Friday night, Saturday night, what time you guys go to bed? Who goes to bed? Who goes to bed before 10 o'clock on Friday and Saturday night? All two of you. Uh, who goes to bed around 11 o'clock? <laughs> All three of you. Midnight. Who goes to bed at 1 a.m.? Who goes to bed after 1 a.m.? We'll just stop there because I'm I'm a little scared right now. We're just going to say 1 a.m. on a weekend night. (laughs) That's important. We're going to come back to that. (laughs) So you ever feel like there's not enough time in the day? Man, I, I do all the time. And this is what I know. The reason I don't feel like there's not enough time in the day is because life is pretty hectic. Like we have tons of things going on in our lives tons of responsibilities, tons of things that we get ourselves involved in. And when I think about my life, I think that my life a lot of times becomes so busy at times that it becomes overwhelming. Any of you guys ever feel overwhelmed that life is just so crazy? There's so many things going on, like most of us, right? And and so when I was saying about this, I was like, you know, we'll just start a little column over here on the left side. What are some of the things that keep you busy? What are some of the things that you have to do in your life that you have to be involved in? Just throw some of them out here to me. I heard algebra, so we'll say school. Sports. Band. TV. That doesn't keep you busy. Job. I heard some guys say boys, boys or girls. Church. God, chores, all right, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's enough, right, like we have all this stuff in our life, and, and this is what happens, what happens is, is that, is that when we start saying yes to a co- certain combination of these things in our life, Life becomes so busy and so hectic, we become so overwhelmed, so frustrated, so disconnected that we literally become almost completely ineffective in our lives. And that's true. That's true. And what I think is this, is that the reason that that is the case is because we have a difficult time managing our yes. And I want to talk to you just for a minute about your yes. Yes. See, if you got your taking notes there, the first first line of your notes is this. The power of your yes. The power of your yes. Listen, your yes is powerful. Every time that you say yes to something... Or to something, you are committing to something or something, and you are doing this in such a way that that, that literally, like, it is, it is powerful. Like, when you compromise your yes, you lose credibility. Y'all know people like that, right? Like, they tell you they're going to do something, then they don't do it. I mean, how frustrating is that? I got friends, like, you just know, like, if they say that they're going to go do something with you this weekend or whatever, and you're getting all pumped about it, you're getting all excited about it, and then it's like, then, like, last minute, they call you, oh, man, like, dude, I mean, like, I just uh, slept through it. Or they don't answer their phone, you know what I'm saying? Like, they they don't follow through on their yes. That is so frustrating. There are very few things in my life that make me want to just punch somebody, like, when somebody stands me up or something, you know what I'm saying? And preach it, brother. Come on. I'm preaching in the house tonight. Hey, listen. It's tough because sometimes our yeses conflict with each other because we've said yes to so many things that all of a sudden we realize, oh, no, I've said yes to this, and I've said yes to this, and I've said yes to that. And now all of a sudden, they butt up against each other. And listen, let me tell you, there's power in your yes. You do know that you lose credibility when you say yes to something and you don't do it. Like, like when someone says that they're gonna help you move some furniture at your house, and you know what I'm saying? Like, like if I made a commitment, I say, "Yeah, hey, bro, yeah, man, I'll help you move some furniture." House, I know your family needs some help with that. I help you guys move. I help you move that kind of stuff out Saturday. Saturday, all right. What time are you gonna be there? Six, six, a, six a.m. Woo. Six a.m. What are you moving furniture at six a.m. for, man? Furniture moves just the same at nine a.m. But I'll hire, man. I "Yeah, yeah, I'll be there at six a.m." It's on Wednesday. But then on Friday, your buddy calls you up and says, hey, man, dude, it's supposed to be beautiful out tomorrow. It's going to be like 85 degrees. Hey, we're thinking about getting up early in the morning. My, my dad has the boat. We're going to take it out on the lake, and we're just going to go hang out on the lake all day tomorrow on Saturday. And you're like, oh, no. Like, I really want to go out on the lake. <laughs> But like I promised my buddy over here that like I was gonna go help him move furniture. But I don't want to move furniture. Who wants to move furniture? I was just trying to be kind. I was trying to be selfless. I was trying to just put this nice gesture out there. But but you know, I like I like I don't want to do that. Like I really want. So then we start making excuses, right? And so then we go and we 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 call our friend up and we say, man, oh, dude, I, bro, I just don't feel I'm not feeling good tonight. I'm just not feeling good, man. And I. Uh, and we, maybe we even start lying. We're like, yeah, I just threw up like six times, bro. You don't want me helping you move furniture. You know what I'm saying? Later on, he sees you Instagram and pu- pictures. You're out there wakeboarding, you know what I'm saying, flying through it. Like, bro, I thought that mug was throwing up all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and that's what we do. Like, and we start making excuses because what happens is we commit to things and we say yes to things until some, a better option comes around in our life. And we say, well, you know what? This option seems better to me. So we jump on that option and we say no to the thing that we said yes to first. Mm. See, my dad, he used to tell me this when I was a kid. He said, your word is your bond. If you say yes, you better follow through. You better follow through no matter what it costs you. Your word is your bond. See, my dad knew and he was trying to instill in his son and in my brother, Jason, and his children and his sons, he was trying to instill in us is that there were character things in your life, there are integrity things in your life, that there are things in your life that matter, there are things in your life that are bigger than you just being happy and having a good time. That is credibility you're building. And Jesus says something very similar. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I would encourage you, if you've never read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, this is a sermon that Jesus gives. And it's pretty cool because Jesus addresses a lot of things in this sermon. It's the greatest sermon ever preached. And, uh, and when you get to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going through some stuff, and he's talking about keeping your word. And you get to chapter, uh, you get to chapter five, verse thirty-three, and he's talking about, you know, keeping your oath because what's something big in this day is they would make oaths with each other, they'd make promises, and all this kind of stuff. I remember when I was a little kid, we I'd say things like this. I'd be like, uh, you know, my brother, I'd be like, hey man, hey, if you if you go if you go over there and you um and and you climb that tree and dive off head first. And you live, I'll give you five dollars. And my brother'd be like, you, you, you promise? And I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, I promise. He'd be like, he'd be like, you swear? I'd be like, yeah, I swear. And he'd be like, you swear to God? I'd be like, yeah, I swear to God. He'd be like, you swear to God and cost your heart, hope to die, sticking to you in your eye? I say, yeah, I swear to God, cost my heart, hope to die, sticking to you in your eye. eyes. Says, all right, great. He's like, then I'll do it because see, the thing about it is, is that it didn't matter me just saying yes. Like I had to promise and swear and swear to God and do all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is addressing this. He says, hey, listen, why do we not take people for their word? The reason we don't take people for their word is because in our culture, our Our word means little to people our word means little to people like in our culture our word means little in fact many of you have seen that even with your parents your parents sit down in front of each other and they made covenants with each other and they said they were going to keep their word to one another and they said they were going to be married until death do us part and they committed their lives to each other and they were laughing and it was a fun day and they never thought it would end and it ended Because they couldn't keep their word. Some of you have dads that have promised you things and they haven't shown up for things that they promised because they're so busy trying to make money so that they can live the American dream, have all this stuff, provide. And they've neglected their children, they've neglected their wife, and then their wife leaves. And then they lose everything. And it's this cycle that happens because our word means little. And Jesus addresses, look what he says in verse 37. Chapter 5. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I want to tell you what this says actually in the, uh, in the, in the New King James Version. This is, the New King James Version actually translates the Greek the best from this. This is what it says in that version. It says this in Matthew five thirty-seven: Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Jesus is essentially saying what my dad said. Your word is your bond. When you say yes to it, you better stick to it. Because you should let your yes be yes and your no mean no. What Jesus is saying here is that your yes is powerful. It's powerful. Now, I can tell you this and I can give you illustration after illustration. But I think it would be better for me to show you how powerful your yes is. Check out this video. Oh... That was, uh, that was when I proposed to Megan and her friend was taking pictures. And, and every time I see that, man, it takes me all the way back just to early on in our relationship and just that special time. And let me tell you how powerful her yes was to me. It changed my life forever. And your yes carries a lot of power, a lot of weight. And it can also carry a lot of harm. And let me tell you, We can talk about moving furniture and saying yes to different things and going to the lake and all this kind of stuff. Let me make it a little more personal. Let me make it a little more personal. What about saying yes to the things of God? Or saying no? What about about week one and week two of life groups when you said yes, that you were going to be committed to your life group and you would be there every week? That's your word. You said you were going to be there. You committed to that. I mean, when I got leaders coming to me saying, oh, yeah, I called all my girls in the group. They all said they were going to be there tonight, and like four of them didn't show up. That's weird. See, maybe we need to have a little conversation about the importance of your word. You said, dang, man, you're getting up in my grill right now. The Bible says, for all scripture is useful in teaching, correcting, and rebuking, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In order for you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has for you, sometimes you need to be corrected. Sometimes you need to be rebuked, and sometimes you need to be taught. But when you say you're going to be committed to something, it's your word. Your word is your bond. And you lose credibility when you don't stick to your word just is what it is you say well getting all up in my grill all up in my case well man I have legit reasons okay that's cool maybe you got legit reasons maybe you got legit reasons why you can't come to church and you can't give your time to God and you can't spend time in his word and you can't come to life maybe you got legit reasons let's talk about those reasons I got to work you got to work. Yeah, I got to work, man. Okay. Well, you got five nights during the week that you can work that don't interfere with Thursday night, age 12. Don't interfere Sunday nights at life groups. You got to work. That's fine. Work five nights during the week. Work all day on Saturday. Work Friday night. Work Monday night. Work Tuesday night. Work Wednesday night. Tell your people that you're working with, hey, look, these are the nights that I can't work because there's things in my life that are important to me. And as much as I care about my job, I care about my relationship with God first because he's the priority in my life. So I'm going to set some boundaries. I'm going to make some priorities. And that is why point number two on your list there is protect your yes. That we have to protect our yes. Because nobody else is going to protect our yes for us. And everyone else wants us to say yes to their things. But God says there's things that you need to be saying yes to. You say, well, they're going to fire me. Well, they're going to fire you from flipping burgers at McDonald's. Big whoop. They're going to fire you from your minimum wage job. Man, that's really going to hurt you. There's plenty of other places you can work. Man, you're in high school. You're in high school. You're not paying a mortgage of a house, you're not buying groceries every week for your family. And you know what? There may be somebody in here that's doing that, and your circumstance is different, but that's not most of you. Can we check our motives a little bit? What things are we saying yes to? You say, well, well man, I got homework. I got homework, man. I can't come to life groups on Sunday, man. I got homework before that night. I'm glad you said that you got homework on, Monday, on Sunday night. What were you doing on Friday? What were you doing on Saturday? What were you doing all day Sunday and all night Sunday afterwards? I got homework, man. I I just can't. I can't come to Life Groups on weekends. I got homework here every week. Got homework, got homework. You guys have already told me that you don't go to bed on the weekends until at least 1 a.m., If you get out of school at like 3 o'clock on Friday, that's a lot of time on Friday. And then let's say you wake up at noon on Saturday, who cares, and then you go to bed at 1 a.m. again, that's a lot of time. And then you wake up in the morning, you go to church, well, okay, you go to church, that's two hours out of your day. Then you got all this time until life groups start, and then you got all this time afterwards. If you add it all up, you've got about 30 hours on that weekend to do your homework. If you can't make an hour and a half out of your schedule to go sit down with some people that want to grow deeper in their spiritual walk with you, and you sharpen each other and grow deeper in your walk with them and challenge you and keep you accountable and all this kind of stuff because you got too much homework, then let me tell you something. You are taking the wrong classes. You're taking the wrong classes. You are. If you're doing 30 hours of homework on a weekend, you shouldn't be taking AP classes. Let's have that conversation. AP classes are for gifted people. Not every person is gifted. Every person wants to think that they're gifted. And we feed our egos like, oh, I'm taking AP classes because I'm smart. Listen, AP classes were for people who took regular classes and it was so easy to them that they had to make harder classes for them because school was boring. It's not for the people who struggle and slave away at homework night in and night out just so that they can make it in school. You say, Derek, you're hurting my self-esteem right now. You're saying I'm not smart enough? Yes, I'm saying you're not smart enough, and I don't care about your self-esteem. I'm trying to save your life. You're ruining your life. It's ridiculous. Do you think that all that God has for you is schoolwork in your life? Negatory. God could care less what degrees you have. Could care less. Getting fired up in here. But it's the truth. See, because ultimately what this comes down to is protecting your yes. See, when you protect your yes, what you have to understand is is that when you say yes to certain things, you are saying no to other things. When you say yes to certain things, you were saying no to other things. So when you say yes to AP classes, you're saying yes to several more hours of homework. So you were saying no to the things that were during that time frame where you had extra homework. When you say yes to things like sleep, you were saying no to getting up in the morning and going to your school and praying for your school before school starts. See, we got some students that got fired up and they're like, hey, we're going to start this ministry on our school. We're so pumped up about it. Man, we're going to be there praying every morning. 6 a.m., I'm going to be there. And the first three weeks, they're there and they're praying, their faces off. And then all of a sudden, it was much easier to hit that old snooze button. And now they ain't coming anymore. Started with like 40 people, now there's like five. Can we just have an honest conversation? I'm not talking to the new people are in here. I'm talking to our people. Can we have an honest conversation here about your yes? When we say yes to things, we're saying no to other things. When I say yes to, I'm going to pray for my campus at my school before school starts, I'm saying no to sleep. Or I'm saying no to the thing that I typically do the night before so I have to go to bed early enough so I can get up early in the morning so that I can do what I need to do. We have this saying around 12 stone. We can do anything we want, but we can't do everything we want. We can do anything we want to do, but we can't do everything we want to do. And when I look up here at this right here, I start thinking about, man, where do we spend most of our time? And I just want you to think about that for a minute. As you look at this list of school, sports, band, job, boys, girls, because some of us are in relationships. You know what I'm saying? That takes up a lot of time. You know what I mean? You're like texting like 40 hours a day to each other. I don't know where that number came from. You got church, you got God, you got church. I mean, you got all these, all right, just think for a minute where we spend the most time. I mean, listen, as I just look at this board, my guess is that most of you spend most of your time at school and then in your extracurricular activity, whether that is band or sports or whatever it happens to be, and then, and then for some of you others, you, you know, may, maybe job. That's where, that's where we spend most of our time. And this is what I found. What I found is, is that instead of taking time out of these things, To spend time with God, that what we do is we schedule our life around all of these things here, and we'll add boys and boyfriend in there too. And we schedule all of these things in our life, and then we say, "All right, what do I have left to give God? What do I have left to give the church? What do I have left?" And God says, "Hold on a second. I thought I was the priority in your life. Well, God, you are the priority. Okay, but 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 you understand that you spend." all of your day doing these things and none of your day doing these things. What do you mean I'm the priority? And God says, man, these are important right here. Your spiritual growth, me, my relationship with you is important. You don't spend any time with me. I get your scraps. See, what if God wanted us To give our first to Him. And then the leftover time we had, we made room for these things. I don't know. I'm just, just a conversation. When you go and you read the Old Testament, there's a pattern that you see over and over and over and over and over again with the people of God. The Israelites. They would start following God and then after a little while... They would get distracted with the busyness and all the things going on in their life. All of this stuff that God got put on the back burner. And they started worshiping other gods, other idols in their life. Now some of these idols were like bells and asherah, These are like legit idols. But some of these were idols in their life. Things that they idolized. Because where you spend most of your time typically is the thing that you value the most. The thing that you think about the most. The thing that you dream about the most. For some of us, we are thinking about our sport all day, every day. I remember when I played baseball in high school, man, I'll be, I mean, you go back and look at my homework. Like I'd have like, I'd have like baseballs drawn on there and baseball bats. And my room was decorated in baseball stuff. And, you know, I had a baseball pillowcase and Atlanta Braves curtains in my room and like baseball everything. And you talked to me about stuff and my identity was wrapped up in this sport. And God is saying, hey, listen, man, your identity can't be wrapped up in baseball and be wrapped up in me. Which leads to the third point you got to prioritize your yes. you got to prioritize your yes. Now, here's the thing. What I'm not saying is, is that AP classes are wrong or sports are wrong or having a job is wrong. I'm not saying that. Don't hear me say that. I am not saying that. You should do well in school. You should play sports. You should do all that kind of stuff. But you have to learn how to protect your yes. Because not everything that is put in front of you should be something that you say yes to. Sometimes you think an opportunity is in front of you and you should say yes to, but it is not a good thing for your life. Like you may be working flipping burgers at McDonald's for $9 an hour. And you're working on Monday and Tuesday nights. And a manager comes up to you and he says, Hey, listen, buddy, I'll give you $10 a night. $10 an hour. I'll give you a raise, $1 an hour. But I want you to be here five nights during the week. And you say, yes, I'm getting a raise, I'm getting a promotion, this is something I should do. But does that promotion worth you being there five nights during the week? Probably not. Sometimes you have to justify what the time restraints are going to be on that. The same goes with sports. I have people come to me and say, hey man, I got on this new travel team, but we travel on Thursdays and Sundays. Okay, so what you're saying is, is that if you get on this new travel team, you can't be here at youth group. To grow in your faith and be around believers and grow in all this kind of stuff. You can't be here on Sunday to go to church or to go to all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But hey, man, it's an honor. Like, this is a great, this is the biggest thing ever. Like, I gotta be on this travel team. This is the coolest thing ever. It's gonna open up all these opportunities for me. All right, well, do you think that's the important spot for you to say your yes? Yeah, but man, college opportunities and this and that or whatever. What about your relationship with God? What about that? What about your community of believers? Listen, if you were that good, it wouldn't matter what team you're on. Colleges are going to pick you up. If you're that good, everybody's going to be talking enough about you where it doesn't matter what team you're playing on. I mean, we got to have these conversations because we live in a culture that idolizes so many things. We idolize performance, and so the surface idol is i got to do well in school because of the performance I have to have. But the deep idol, that's the surface idol. The deep idol, that is pride and ego because we want people to think we're smarter, because we want to get into a certain place so that that it makes us look bigger than who we are. I mean, these are all kinds of things that wrestle around in here, and he's addressing us here in this passage. And so when we prioritize our yes, it's important to look at a few things. The first thing I want to say about prioritizing your yes is this. Include God in your prioritization. Include God when you are prioritizing things in your life. And what does that mean? That means ask God, seek God, pray to God. Find out the things that God would have you do. I talk to some people, and students, and I talk to students all the time about this. Hey, man, what are you thinking about college? Man, I really want to go to this college over here, and, you know, because I want to live by the beach, or I really want to go to this college over here because, you know, they got this to offer, and I really want to go to this college over here. And I, and I always ask this question. I say, man, how much time have you spent praying about where you, wish, where you should go to college? Listen, I've asked that question since I've been a youth pastor over the last 12 years, thousands of times. I have probably had, on one hand, someone respond to me and say, man, I've really been praying about it, and this is where I feel like God's leading me. Like, man, include God in the plans of your life. I mean, that's kind of important if he's the most important thing in your life. Are you seeking God on where you should go to college? Have you prayed about that sports team that you think you're going to be on? Maybe you say, you know what? I should be on that sports team that meets every Thursday night because I feel like God is calling me to that team so that I could bring the gospel and share Jesus to some of the most gifted athletes in the community. Hey, you know what? More power to you. Go and do that, but don't just do it for your fame. Don't just do it because you think that's something that you want to do or because it's a cool opportunity that's in front of you. There will be lots of cool opportunities in front of you in your future, but not all of them are the best. And everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to other things everything you say yes to you're saying no to other things every time you say yes to the wrong guy you're saying no to the right guy so prioritize include god into these conversations third uh secondly prioritize selflessly prioritize selflessly That when you're looking at this prioritization, figure out why you want to do certain things that you want to do and prioritize selflessly. When you prioritize your life, you're seeing different things. like, Like, prioritize selflessly. Because let me tell you, for most of us, when we're prioritizing our lives, we don't think about God first. We think about us first. Let me give you an illustration. We're going to Haiti. Spring break and next summer. Every year. I have people back out of the trip because they decided they wanted to go to the beach with some friends during the same week. They said yes to the trip. But then something else came up and instead of going and serving people and serving the vision that God would have for them and be a part of something that would change their life forever, they decided they wanted to go to the beach with some friends. And We have to prioritize selflessly that sometimes we have to push ourselves aside and say, hey, what would God want me to do in this situation? That maybe, maybe it's okay for me to give up my spring break to go be a part of something that's bigger of myself that will impact me far more than anything ever has in my life. Listen, I've been out of the country on mission trips many times, and I can take you to detailed moments in every one of those trips. I couldn't tell you one thing that happened on a spring break trip I went on when I was in high school. Mostly because I was drunk, but that's besides the point. (laughs) But it's the truth. It's because those things were impacting. Those things were lasting. Those were the things that God would call me to do. And all the time we're like wrestling around with how do I prioritize myself? Start by not looking at yourself, by looking and seeing what God would have you do. And then thirdly, prioritize rest. Prioritize rest. We live in a culture that is so overwhelmed because we don't rest. In in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, I think we got it up on the screen. Do we got that for us? Maybe. Hebrews chapter 4. Yep, there we go. (laughs) I'll just read it up here. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have falling short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. So those who are believers, those who have given their lives to Christ, we now enter into the rest. Now, right at the beginning of that, he says, therefore, therefore, you back up to chapter 13. And he's talking about how the people who are far away from God, they're uneasy. They don't have this rest. They haven't entered into the rest of God. And then he goes on. He says, so I have declared in my anger, they shall never enter my rest And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. This is what he's saying. Those who believe in him experience this rest that he has. That's the reason Jesus says, those who are weary and burdened, those who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He goes on in this passage he talks about the Sabbath. He talks about taking a day to just do nothing, to spend time with God and to rest I mean, think about your life. When was the last time you had a day where you just did nothing? Now, for some of you, that's a lot of days. (laughs) But for some of you, it's not. Listen, I made a decision years ago that Friday would be my day off and I would do nothing on Fridays. Ask my wife. I do nothing. I'll tell you what I do on Fridays. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go deer hunting. Then I'm going to play some video games. I might take a nap. I might go deer hunting again. I might play some more video games. I'm going to eat something that I want to eat, and I'm going to chill, and I'm going to rest. And let me tell you something. I run 100 miles an hour in my job here. I'm all over the place all the time. You're like, yeah, be pastors, what the heck they do? We do a little bit. And let me tell you something. I'm able to run at that pace because I rest. I take time to rest. I take time to charge my batteries. It's biblical. God God rested. Did God need to rest? Of course he didn't need to rest. He was showing this, a model for us to rest. He he created in seven days, and on the seventh day he rested. Man, this is something for us to get, something for us not to miss because we need to rest. And listen, we can see this even in the business world. Take Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is the highest grossing restaurant per restaurant, restaurant to restaurant, Of any fast food restaurant in the world. The highest. In other words, Chick-fil-A restaurants make more money than any other fast food restaurant in the world. That's crazy. That's crazy. One, they're not open 24 hours. Like McDonald's is. And they're closed on Sundays. The average Chick-fil-A restaurant makes $2.7 million a year. The average one. The average McDonald's makes $2.4 million, $300,000 less, yet they work 52 days more a year than Chick-fil-A does. Why is that the case? Because God said in his word to take a day off. That marked the founder of Chick-fil-A so much that he said, as long as Chick-fil-A is around, we are going to have Sundays off to give our people a day off to rest. Because we believe that if they come back to work on Sunday after they have worshipped and rested, if they come back to work on Monday after they have worshipped and rested on Sunday, that they're going to be healthier, they're going to want to work more, and they're going to be better at what they do because they're going to be rested and ready. And it works. So how's your rest? Prioritize your rest. Let me close with this. I think there's a couple things. For us to go to the next level, this level up thing, for us to go to the next level, I think there's a couple things I want to share with you. Number one, commit to taking a day of rest. I want you to put this to the challenge. I want you to take a day over the next seven days for the next month. I want you to take a day every seven days and just rest. Do nothing. Do nothing. Tell your parents what you're doing so they're not like, yeah, you need to go clean your room. And you're like, hey, my day of rest, sorry. <laughs> I got him. Pastor told me. <laughs> Talk to your parents about it before you do it. Secondly, commit to worshiping him seven out of seven. In other words, include God in your day every day. That we rest one out of seven, but we worship him seven out of seven. The only thing that we never pause for is worshiping God, spending time with him, considering him in our lives. And the third thing is this. I want you to go home and I want you to write down a plan. And this is serious. I want you to go home and write down a plan of, of your priorities, and I want you to prioritize and protect your yes. I want you to write these things that you're involved in in your life and I want you to prioritize them. I want you to see where you spend the most time. Write how much time you spend in each of them out beside it. And I want you to see where you spend your time and say, how can I reprioritize some things so I can stay focused on the things that matter so I can stick with the places that I said yes to? And I've done this myself. I protect my yes. I learned this when I was in college and it's something that never left me. You should prioritize your life in four ways. As a pastor, number one, your personal relationship with God is number one. And that's number one. My time with God, my relationship with God is number one. My partner or my wife is number two. My wife is number two in my life. She's not number one. God is number one. And the best thing I could ever give my wife is to make God number one. But my wife is number two. My wife has veto power over every person in my life and over everything in my life. When I go speak somewhere, I always ask my wife for her permission before I do it. Oh, you're whipped. You're asking your wife for your permission. Why don't you man out and do your own thing? Da 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 da. da. That's why you won't be married long. <laughs> my wife has veto power because I love my wife and I trust her and I care about her deeply. And when I said yes to her, I said yes to that she would be number two in my life just below God. And number three, a parent. Then my kids, which my wife was pregnant with our, thir- our first kid. <sighs> Please God, not the third. <laughs> pregnant with our first kid, my kid will be number three. In pro- my kid will never be more important than my wife. But my kid will always be more important than every other thing in my life other than my wife and my relationship with God. And number four is my ministry. That means that I love my wife more than I love this ministry, more than I love this church. And the only thing that I don't love my wife more than is God. And the same with my kid. And if I, my ministry ever causes effect negatively to my relationship with my wife or my kids, my ministry will suffer before my relationship with my wife and kids will suffer. Those are priorities that I set in my life when I was in college, way before I ever got married. And it's because I did this. And listen, it matters. Your yes matters. My yes to God matters. Your yes to God matters. My yes to my wife matters. Your yes to your future spouse one day will matter. And your yeses and even in the smallest insignificant things that you think are insignificant in your life matter. Because it's powerful. You need to protect it. You need to prioritize accordingly. So God, I just want to pray over these students. I just ask God that you would help us just stick to those words of Jesus. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. And God, when I talk about entering into rest and this rest that you provide, with a relationship with you, I realize that there are people in here that have never experienced that rest. In fact, when they look at their life and they look at the craziness and business of their life, maybe the word that describes them is restless. Maybe they're restless. And God, maybe they're restless because of some junk that they have in their life. They're overwhelmed because of some junk that they have in their life. And God, they need to enter your rest. They need to come to you. All who are weary and burdened. And enter your rest. I think that's one of the most amazing things about being a follower of you, Lord. Is that when I wasn't nothing in my life satisfied, it didn't matter. The more that I added to my life, the more things that I did that I thought would satisfy always left me restless, always left me yearning for more because they were finite. And the only thing that can satisfy those infinite longings within us is an infinite God. And so God, tonight, I just pray for that person that's in this room that has infinite longings that they have been trying to satisfy with finite reasoning and finite things all around them. And God, that tonight they could encounter you as their infinite God. That you would change their lives from the inside out. That they would experience your rest. Father, I know that we're about to hit a week where school's out. Yes, thank you God for those weeks. We're about to enter a week of, of, of rest, hopefully. And I pray that you would recharge their batteries, Lord. That you would help them to find some some, some specific time with you. And God, that you would speak to them deep to the core of who they are. In Jesus' name we pray.